right, good evening, church. We have now come to the end as of today of our series entitled Make a Difference, Learning to Follow God Well. We are wrapping it up tonight. Now, before you start throwing things and getting all angry and upset, um, this is the last week where we're going to have new content. Next week, I think we're going to do a little bit of a, uh, a remix, you know, kind of just kind of recap. Uh, it's, been, it's been 20 weeks it's been 20 messages that, that we've, we've gone. We've had 20 lessons of what it takes to make a difference, learning to follow God well. As we've looked at the lives of people such as Hannah, uh, we looked at her, five messages with her. We looked at her son Samuel, and five messages with him, and then now 10 messages with this king named Saul. And we've looked at these people, and through whether it was a good example or a bad example, we've been gleaning information about how we, in our generation, apply these same things that they've learned or didn't learn can learn how to follow God well today in the wide variety of our contexts and in our situations. So today we come to our last message looking at King Saul. It's the day, we're, the day we're going to look at is the one where he hears that the Philistines have invaded the land. I'm just going to tell you the story. I'll, I'll read it more in a second, but the, the Philistines have invaded the land and Saul becomes afraid, actually terrified. He's, he's shaking with fear. He's terrified. And ultimately, he's going to go see a witch. He's going to go see a medium, a, a spiritus. And he's going to find out at that in, encounter that his time is up, that, that this is the end. Tomorrow, he's going to die. That actually, not only is he going to die tomorrow, his sons are going to die tomorrow. And not only is, are his sons going to die tomorrow, um, the nation is going to lose lose this battle uh, and it's it's just a devastating answer that he's going to hear today so for our final main message in, in this series what we're going to talk about today is this if you want to make a difference if you want to make a difference if you want to follow god well all the days of your life you are going to need to learn how to become proficient at overcoming fear you're going to have to learn how to become proficient at overcoming fear so that you can continue to walk in peace-filled faith. Proficient in overcoming fear so you can continue to walk in peace-filled faith. That's what I want for myself, right? That's what I want for, I mean, I'm sure you're sitting here thinking, wow, that, that's what I want my, for my, myself too. And, and you're, you're thinking, wouldn't it be amazing to be someone who is proficient at overcoming fear? Fear. You, you, you feel fear, fear. You, if you feel the fear coming towards you and you know what to do with it. You know how to process that fear. You know how to, uh, fear, how to handle that fear so that it doesn't consume your heart and drive your decisions. That's not what we want with fear. And the good thing, the good thing is that God doesn't want that for us either. God wants us to become and, and knows that we can become proficient in, in overcoming fears. God, God, God wants for all of us to grow in this area. He writes all through the pages of the Bible his genuine desire to see us grow in peace, in, in his peace, the highest levels of peace that pass understanding, that, that, that surpasses understanding. He wants us to have the lowest levels of fear and worries and anxieties and the highest levels of peace. If you want to live a life that follows God well, you're going to need to learn how to overcome fear and really become proficient at it because the enemy is going to bombard you with fear all the days. You're going to have lots of opportunities to succumb to fear. 
You're going to have it when you're 12, when you're 20, when you're 22, and, and even when you're 28, all the days of your life, you're, you're going to experience um, bombardment with, with fear from the, from the enemy. It's one of his uh, most common tactics. So we're going we're gonna to talk about this today and how to grab onto the peace that God is offering you and, re, and overcome fear. We're going to dive in our passage today. We're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 28. And I'm going to just start reading at verse 3 of 1 Samuel chapter 28. It says this, By this time Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his city. And Saul had removed the mediums and spiritists, or the witches and spiritists, from the land. Okay, stop, stop. He, he has removed the mediums and spiritists from the land. We're going to find out that he's actually killed them, or, or killed most of them. One of the major things, one of the major things that I'd, I'd hope that, I, that you would see as we went through this series, looking at King Saul specifically, is I, I hope that you would see in Saul a person that is uncomfortably like us. So, someone who's, who's a bit more like us than we feel comfortable admitting. I look at Saul, I look at the challenges that keep tripping him up, and, and I'm not sure that I can do any better. We like to categorize people in the Bible. This person is a good person. This person is a bad person. This person started off bad, but turned out to be good at the end. Oh, this person started off good, but then ended up bad. We like to make it really simple, black and white. But when we look at, at, at Saul, it's all mixed. It's convoluted in every story. There's good and there's bad. There's, there's black and there's, it, It's like this gray uh, mash all the way through his story. He crashes at the end of his life, sure. But he never fully turns away from God. In verse 3, here we're reminded of the passion and zeal that he has for God. He is not going to tolerate uh, witchcraft. He is not going to tolerate mediums and spiritists. And so he's, we're going to find that he's put them to death, but, he, but he's, he's expelled them from, from the land. He's, he, and he's just pushed them out of the nation. And unlike Solomon... Unlike Solomon, when Solomon's old, he reinvites a lot of the uh, a lot of the idol worship. Saul never does that. All the days of his life, he, he is he is fiercely opposed to to this. Never does he lead the nation away from God. Never does he lead the nation away from God. He never fully loses his heart for God. And I think that's one of the things that makes his story so disturbing to me, is that even here on the day before he dies. There, there, is this, there is this pointer that, that this is what Saul was like. He had expelled the spiritist from the land. Let's keep going. Verse 4 says this. The Philistines came together and camped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel and they camped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine camp, he was afraid and trembled violently. He was afraid and trembled violently. Okay, here it is. The soul crisis of fear. The soul crisis of fear. One of the most common enemy attacks. Attacks, it, it, it comes against our hearts. And through the entirety of our lives, we're going to be battling with fear and worry and anxiety and, and, and things like that. 
The enemy uses fear because the emotion of fear is so powerful. It's so powerful at getting people to move away from faith. Fear is so powerful at getting people, people to move away from trusting God and towards one of two common mistakes. If fear drives people either to do what we not uh, to do what we ought not to do because of fear or to not do what we ought to do because of fear do you track that uh basically think of the classic fear dating dilemma of all time the the, the classic fear example so, sometimes you're like i'm not gonna date this person or anyone out of fear that that it could be bad or terrible or something like that but but maybe but maybe god's bringing this person into your life and so you don't pursue that uh out of fear sometimes though people date people who they ought not to date out of fear and they think to themselves this is the only person who will ever love me ever and sure they don't love god and sure they 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 are not following god with their lives and 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 all that guys they don't have god's values but but it's basically this god hating person or nobody ever and so then they do what they don't what they know they ought not do and they start a relationship with someone who who, who doesn't love god and I, and i make light but that that's the dilemma that that Fear can drive us to one of those two things, either to not do what we ought to do or to do what we ought not to do. Fear is masterful. It's a masterful tool of the enemy at getting us to make terrible choices. The battle is between faith, which leads to peace, and fear, which leads us away, away from God. This is the battle we need to learn how to win in order to follow God well. Okay, so fear feasts on two things in our lives. Two things it feasts on. First of all, it feasts on the fact that we don't know what's going to happen. It, that unknown, that we, we don't know what, what's going to happen. And so, so fear just agitates that. And then the other thing it feasts on is the doubt that God genuinely loves you and is actually paying attention and cares for you and it is very close and present right there in that moment. It, fear feasts on those two things, uh, those two pieces. Now Saul is afraid. Saul is freaking out. He's terrified. He's trembling. And actually for good reason, right? Like, he, he's afraid for good reason. When he looks at the army, we can't take this away from Saul. He has good reason to be afraid. When he looks at the army, he doesn't see how he can win. He's not going to. It's well-placed fear in that sense. He, he, he's, he's freaking out. He's gonna, he's gonna die. His sons are gonna die. His army is gonna lose. And that guy that he keeps trying to kill for these last several years this guy named david that guy that he hates is actually going to become king when we're talking about overcoming fear we don't mean overcoming fear by having the faith to believe that god won't let anything painful happen that's not what we mean we don't mean overcoming fear by having the faith to believe that god won't let anything tragic happen or terrible happen to us that that's not what god promises that is misplaced 
um, that is misplaced confidence, that is, that is delusional, that is not anything what the Bible says. If you try and base your overcoming of fear on, on that lie, you're going to stop trusting God because you're putting it in the wrong place. Jesus tells us to expect trouble. He says, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but not to be afraid because he's overcome the world. Bad things are going to happen. Painful things are going to happen. But we still need to learn how to overcome fear when we're facing and experiencing those things. Let, let's, let's see. So Saul's afraid. What, what does Saul do? He does this in, in, verse, uh, in verse 6. He inquired... Of the Lord. He's afraid. He's terrified. He inquired of the Lord. But the Lord did not answer him in dreams or by the Urim or by the prophets. Okay, so this, if you're new here, this is the right answer. This is right. What do you do when, when you're afraid? Is you go to God in prayer, seeking clarity, seeking help, seeking direction, seeking answers. If you're taking notes, overcoming fear begins with bringing our fears to God in prayer. Overcoming fear begins with bringing our fears to God in prayer. There's that old song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Remember that, that old song from the eight, middle of the 1800s, Joseph Scriven? In, in the first verse, he, he, he writes these words. He says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Peace being the, the, the opposite of fear. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Remember that song? Right, yeah, that's, that's how I dance. Uh, don't ever, never, anyways. So, um, good thing this isn't being streamed. Uh, Okay, so, but what peace we often forfeit. Overcoming fear begins with bringing our fears to God in prayer. Paul, Paul says the same thing. Paul writes it this clearly in Philippians chapter 4. He says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer. Here's his, this is Paul's version of what to do with worry, fear, anxiety. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let your requests be made known. And the peace of God, that's moving away from fear towards peace, and the peace of God which surpasses every thought will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That, that's, that's Paul's succinct version of how to overcome fear. Don't worry. Bring it to God in prayer. Peace will come. Fear will go away. That peace will guard your heart in Christ Jesus. When facing fear, Saul's first response is the absolute right response. Running to God in prayer. Trying to hear from God about the things that have made him afraid. God, I'm afraid. God, I'm terrified. Tell me about this. What should I do? What, what's going to happen? God, let me know what's, what's going on here. When you feel afraid, when you feel afraid and, and that fear is going up and you go to God in prayer, 
there are three crucial things that you need to accomplish in that time of prayer. And I'm going to make it this clear. Not one thing. Not two things. You need to accomplish all three of these things in prayer. Now, in case you missed this, not one, not two. You need to work through all three of these things in prayer to overcome fear and to become proficient to overcome fear. Lucky for you, they all start with the letter R. Okay, good. We don't do that around here, but we're going to do it right now. The three R's of prayer when feeling fear. The first thing that you do in prayer is request help and guidance. Now that's what Saul's doing. Saul's like, God, he's going to inquire of the Lord. He's going to find out. God, tell me about this battle. Tell me about what's going on. Request help. Request guidance. You know, God, I'm afraid. Look at, I look at my situation. It's scary. It's overwhelming. I'm not sure how, what's going to happen here. God, tell me what to do. Tell me how to navigate this. That, that's, that's step one. And, and if you go to God in prayer, that's probably where you're going to be going to. But not, you, you can't just do one of them in order to find the peace that you're looking for. You need to also do the second and the third one. The second one is this. Recenter on God's love for you. You request help and guidance. You recenter on God's love for you. John writes it this way. He says, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. When you're feeling fear, when you're feeling afraid, you've got to take a breath in that time of prayer and remember that God genuinely loves you. I, I feel like I've heard that somewhere before. That, that God actually loves you. He loves you so much and he's paying attention to you and he cares about you. He, he, you're not alone, but the God of the universe who can do anything is with you and is, and is there to help you. Recenter on God's love. You've got to go back to what is true. Not how you feel, but what is true. First of all, you request help and guidance. Second of all, you recenter on God's love for you, but that is not going to get you to the place of peace yet. It's close, but you need to do one more thing. You need to re-surrender your future. You need to re-surrender your future to God. David writes this in Psalm 31. He writes, My times are in your hands, God. My times, past, my past is in your hands. My present is in your hands. And God, my future is in your hands. My times are in your hands. Now, now all, all of us know just how much of life is out of our control, but it is in the hands of God. And so when you come to God in prayer and you request his help and his guidance, and, and maybe you don't hear anything. And so then you recenter your heart on truth, the truth that God loves you, and, and then it's essential to lay down, thirdly, all of our hopes 
for our future to God. This is the way to peace. It's the way of surrendering. Here's what I do. A crisis happens. A crisis happens, and, and it looks like everything is falling apart, or everything is about to fall apart, or I'm terrified that things are going to fall, fall apart, or, or, or whatever. And a crisis, I'm feeling afraid, and so what I do is I start thinking through in prayer, after I've worked through those, God, help me, save me, rescue me. Uh, God, I know that you love me. I know that you're with me. Okay, and then I start thinking through my worst fears of the moment. My worst fears of that moment. What is the worst thing that I can imagine happening here in this situation? Now, I'm not going to work too hard on this one. I'm not going to try and dig as deep as I can. Oh, it could be worse. And I, I'm just going to work with whatever's the most fearful to me at that particular moment. And then I take that most horrible future that's, that's agitating me, that's stirring me towards fear, and, and I take that, the one that I'm most afraid of, and I lay it down at the feet of Jesus in prayer. And I say, Jesus... I absolutely dread this happening to me. I can't face this. I, I am terrified of this. This is the worst thing that I can imagine here. Please don't let it happen. But if it does, if this is the path that I must walk, okay. That's called surrender. If this is the path that I must walk, the one that terrifies me, okay. All I ask is that you walk it with me and help me. What are you trusting God for? Are you trusting God for the pain-free life? That is trust misplaced. There are more, there's more horrible pain, just horrible days in my future. I've, I'm going to probably have worse days in the days ahead, in the days ahead than I've ever had in the days gone by. My, in my future, there's going to be um, some horrific days. God is not going to save me out of all my future pain. More is on the way, and probably soon. More is on the way. And so what I need to do is I need to surrender my path, not surrender to my fears. I need to surrender my path, the one that I can't control. I can talk to God about it, but I can't control it. And I need to accept the worst case possible scenario, give it to God, surrender it to God, and choose to not be afraid of that which naturally frightens me, knowing that God will be with me. Trusting that the same God who allows us to walk the painful path will bring us through to the other side. This is classic Psalm 23 stuff. You probably all have Psalm 23 um, memorized. The Lord is my shepherd. Very classic. In, in Psalm 23, um, David writes, Even when I go through the darkest valley... Uh, probably most of the versions you had growing up said even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or if you ever heard Matt Rembid like 50 years ago even when I walk through the valley you know of the shadow of I say it's stuck in my head forever anyways so even when I go through the darkest valley I 
fear, this is, David's, this is David. He, he, David has mastered overcoming fear. I fear no danger, even in the darkest valley, for you are with me. D- David has got it figured out. He puts it right in that most famous psalm. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Family, this is freeing stuff. This is freeing stuff. Taking our fears to God, laying them down, and picking up the peace that God offers those who choose to surrender and trust Him. Now, in Saul's situation, he does the first one. He clearly seeks God's perspective and guidance and help. He requests help and guidance from God. He does that when he goes to God in prayer. Sometimes when we request help or guidance from God, we, we hear from it, like maybe like Daniel. Daniel prays, prays and fasts for 21 days, and then he, he hears from God, and, and, and he understands what was troubling him. Other times, like Saul or like maybe Elisha, you, you, you're kind of blinded at a particular moment. You don't know what's about to happen. It's like heaven is, is silent. Just going to God in prayer for help isn't enough to move from fear to faith. You need to walk through all three of the R's of prayer. Request, recenter, resurrender in order to make it through. Well, Saul doesn't do this. Saul doesn't do this, and although his first move was perfect, going to inquire from God, when that didn't work out, this is what he did, starting in verse 7. Saul said to his servants, find me a woman who is a witch or a medium. A spiritist. Go find me a woman who is a medium so I can go and consult her. His servants replied, There is a woman at N door who is a medium. I think they just hyphenated that for all the Star Wars geeks in the world. It's not Endor, the forest moon, it's N door, of course, totally different. There's a woman at N door who's a medium. Saul disguised himself by putting on different clothes and set out with two of his men. They came to the woman at night, and Saul said, Consult a spirit for me. Bring up for me the one I tell you. The woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done, how he has killed the mediums. I told you um, that he, it, we find out later that he killed them. That he has killed the mediums, the witches and spiritists in the land. Why are you setting a trap for me to get me killed? Then Saul swore to her by the Lord, as surely as the Lord lives, nothing bad will happen to you because of this. Who is it that you want me to bring up for you? The woman asked. Bring up Samuel for me, he answered. When the woman saw Samuel, she screamed, and and then she asked Saul, why did you deceive me? You are Saul. Now, how does Saul hide? Remember, he's like a head taller than everyone else in the nation Okay, maybe he's 70, 72. Maybe he's, he's stooped. Okay, anyways. So you, you deceive me. You're Saul. But the king said to her, don't be afraid. What do you see? I see a spirit coming up out of the earth, the woman answered. Then Saul asked her, what does he look like? An old man is coming up. She replied, he's wearing a robe. Then Saul knew it was Samuel. That cracks me up. What do you see? He's old and clothed. Samuel. <laughs> okay. He's old and clothed. Okay. Wow, that's, that's amazing. So he bowed down his face to the ground and paid homage. Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up, Samuel asked Saul. 
I'm in serious trouble, replied Saul. The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has turned away from me. He doesn't answer me anymore, either through the prophets or in dreams, so I've called on you to tell me what I should do. Samuel answered, Since the Lord has turned away from you and has become your enemy, why are you asking me? The Lord has done exactly what he said through me. The Lord has torn the kingship out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David. You did not obey the Lord and did not carry out his burning anger against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will also hand Israel over to the Philistines along with you. Tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me. And the Lord will hand Israel's army over to the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell flat on the ground. He was terrified by Samuel's words and was also weak because he hadn't had any food all day and all night. The danger with fear is it gets us to do things that we know we're not supposed to do. It gets us to do what we're not supposed to. Saul knows. Saul knows that God is fiercely opposed to witchcrafts and mediums. He's killed them. He's expelled them. He knows that. And yet in his fear, having failed to resubmit his future to God, he walks this wrong road. In fear, we do things we know God doesn't want us to do. If you want to follow God well, If you want to follow God, well, all the days of your life, you're going to need to learn how to become proficient at overcoming fear so that you can continue to walk the path of the peace-filled life, peace-filled faith. And doing that, anchoring, anchoring our hearts in the words of the Bible, anchoring our hearts in the examples of, of those who have gone before us and testified and told us how to live this life, how to overcome. David, David writes all about it several times. We already looked at Psalm 23. In Psalm 56, uh, David writes, when I am afraid, he says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. This is David telling us how he overcomes fear. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, in whose God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Like, okay, sure, they can beat me, torture me, I can be, lose the kingship, my family can fall apart, I can be murdered, I can be, I can be in captive. Okay, there's a lot that man can do to me, but from his perspective, he's able to resurrender anything that could happen to him to trust in God. That is how David is overcoming fear. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. What can man do to me? When I'm afraid in God and whose word I pray, I trust in you, I will not fear. We need to learn from people like David who have this figured out. And then we also need to believe what God tells us about himself. Not that he'll spare us from any and all pain, no, but that he'll be with us in the difficult times that he will help us in the difficult times in the in the times that we dread like this is what god says in isaiah chapter 41 to his people he says god says do not fear for i am with you jesus says i will be with you always even to the end of the age 
God says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. Saul gave in to fear. He never learned how to overcome it. He never learned how to work through this process of not only just bringing the request to God, but recentering and resubmitting his life to God. He never figured this out, and, and he struggled all the years of his life with fear, with fear. It's so sad. And at the end here, on the last day of his life, he almost gets it right. He goes to God first, but then in fear, he crumbles and he goes to see a witch, all because of fear. Now, I have a question for you. Do you think that Saul is in heaven? Do you think that Saul is in heaven? I mean, typically, we think of of Saul as the bad king. And we've stuck him in that box, the ungodly king. But like I said before, is that even really clear at all? Is that clear? He has a genuine zeal for God all his life. Definitely imperfect. Definitely make mistakes. If perfection is how you get to heaven, Saul didn't make it. But he was God's chosen. He was God's anointed king. Not not enough, but there's that. And although he falls well short he never fully turns away from god even on the day before he goes to god first in his fear he never leads the nation away from god but then after that he did go see a a witch when he didn't get the results he wanted do you think that saul is in heaven in verse 16 what we read here samuel says that Yahweh, that that God has turned away from Saul and has become his enemy. Is that just for this life or is that for all of time? Is that like one of those, God is disciplining you in this life because you've, you've messed up and he's disciplining you but you're still a part of God's family? Samuel also says in verse 19, he says, tomorrow, Saul, tomorrow you are going to be with me. What does that mean? To be with me. Be with you in deadness, in dead, in Sheol. That I, you're going to be dead. I'm going to be dead. We're going to be together in, in dead. Um, or Samuel, is Samuel in, in the place, in the place where the righteous were awaiting the resurrection? With Abraham and, and Moses. Is, is it going to be like Saul is going to be with Samuel in that, in that area waiting for the resurrection? Or, or is he going to it's also a bit complicated that way. Jealousies, mistakes, compromises, disobedience, but also not fully turning away from God. Do you think that Saul is in heaven? My answer? I hope so. I, I hope so. I, I, I really grieve Saul. 
I grieve so I have compassion on the challenges that he's, he's gone through. I know what it's like to be afraid. I know what it's like to be afraid and to make mistakes. And I hope that there's grace for Saul in that, that very imperfect person. I hope there's grace for him. But what I do know is that in our generation, the question becomes much more clear. Much more clear because of Jesus. If I'm evaluating my life, and I'm asking myself the question, am I going to go to heaven when I die? The answer is simple because I don't need to evaluate my life. I don't need to read through the script of my mistakes and the wins and losses and trying to figure out, did I have enough wins and losses as if that's how it works? That's not how it, it works at all. Did I give away to fear too much in my life and did I, I, I walk in disobedience? Did I mess up too much? When it comes to the future, that stuff doesn't matter all that matters now since Jesus is one thing Jesus only Jesus have I genuinely given my life to Jesus and have his spirit as a sealing guarantee of my salvation if yes then even if I mess up like Saul or worse than Saul and live an imperfect life with some ups and downs if I have Jesus I have forgiveness and heaven from my Bible read through this week, I, was, I, was, I read these amazing words in 2 Timothy, just pure gospel goodness. 2 Timothy chapter one, I read this. It said, he has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. Our works, when it comes to salvation, are not part of the equation. When we're evaluating Saul, we're looking at his works. It's not part of our equation, but so it's not according to our works, but according to his, God's purpose and grace, which he has given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. We received this not after we die and we evaluate the entirety of our lives. We received it before we've done anything, good or bad. I love the gospel. Now, I've, I've told this story more and I'm gonna say it over and over and over again through my life. It's one of the most powerful moments of my life. I, I, I had this vision of Jesus in 2012 when I was in Athens. And, and, and when I, when I, in this time, I, I saw Jesus there and Jesus asked me, why are you worthy? Why are you worthy? What makes you worthy? And I saw this parade of things going along in the background, things like, well, I'm a missionary. I've left my home. I've, I've, I didn't do this, and I didn't do that, and I did do this, and I changed this, and, 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 and I'm a pastor, and I'm bald, so that's extra. And, and you know, just all these, all these things until all of the, the parade of things were, were passed, and there was nothing else left. And, and Jesus, Jesus said, what makes you worthy? None of what you have done before, whether good or bad, makes you worthy. Only me. Only Jesus. That's the only way that I'm worthy. Amazing. Not by works, by Jesus alone. Now, I urge you, 
I urge you to follow God well all the days of your lives so that your lives would make an extraordinary difference for God for, and for good. I urge you to walk the path of godliness and righteousness and holiness and, and obedience to apply all the lessons that we've been talking about over these last ma- many weeks, uh, learning how to overcome fear and learning how to trust Jesus with your lives. But I also want you to remember that unlike Hannah, unlike Samuel, unlike Saul, we have Jesus. We have Jesus, and and I hope that even as I ask the question, do you think that Saul is in heaven? I hope it makes you remember how great and glorious it is now in this new covenant with Jesus. That, That he died on the cross and paid it all. And I hope it fills you with thankful joy. Thankful joy and peace does me. Family, let's press on with endurance. Let's press on with endurance following God well, with joy and confidence knowing that there's grace for our mistakes and the certainty of heaven disconnected from our works, wholly connected to the work of Jesus on the cross. I love the gospel of our salvation. It's amazing. I have one challenge for you today. One challenge. I thought two, three challenges, too many. Too much for you, too much. One challenge. Work through your biggest current fear with the three R's. With the three R's of prayer until you've overcome the fear and found peace. If you do this, and if you keep doing this, and if you become proficient at overcoming fear by working through these three R's every time, it will change your life forever. Let's start. Let's start this week.